Well, hey there, Cowboy fans. Welcome to the Unbiased Podcast on America's Team. I'm your host, Austin Smith, and joining me as always is Coach Ty Rogers, one of our analysts over at Pigskin Nut and a lifelong Cowboy fan, and we are the Big D Beatdown. And we are brought to you today by PigskinNut.com, the soon-to-be undisputed king of football news and podcasts. Whether you're in your car, taking a break from work, or just relaxing at the house, it's always better to be doing so while you're getting your football fix. We break down players on our pro football scouting show, as well as tackle some of the most current and controversial topics on our football roundtable. We discuss some of the all-time greats on our show Wide Right and put out exclusive shows on some of your favorite NFL teams, such as the Giants, Eagles, Browns, Broncos, Chiefs, Steelers, and of course your Dallas Cowboys. Make Pigskin Nut your ultimate source for football news and podcasts. If you want quality football analysis with independent opinions from people who know and understand the X's and O's of the game, head on over to Pigskin Nut. Remember guys, Pigskin Nut, for those crazy about football. All right, Coach Ty, um... Cowboys, uh, you know, they, they win uh, their season finale against the Washington Redskins. As it turns out, that win was meaningless uh, as far as our, our bleak playoff hopes were concerned. Uh, Philadelphia Eagles took care of business. But you know what? Uh, we're not here to talk about the Philadelphia Eagles or the New York Giants. We're here to talk about our Dallas Cowboys. And they had a 47-16 victory to close out the season. And, yes, there is going to be a lot of – of things swirling around, and we're going to go ahead and touch on a little bit of that uh, right now, but not get too far into it. First and foremost, you know, Jason Garrett is meeting with uh, Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones. As a matter of fact, you know, that meeting, it should be over by now. Uh, it was scheduled to start uh, around noon today. Um, so, I mean, uh, bottom line is, 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 that meeting should have wrapped up. Jason Garrett should know his fate. No telling when the the announcement will come out. We have heard rumors that the entire staff will be let go. There are some people that have corroborated it. There's others that are in the locker room saying, no, guys, that's the feeling around here. But that, that announcement has not officially been made. The word has not officially been given to this staff. However, that is the, the feeling around here, like what's going to happen. Coach Ty, you know um, – Let's get into that real quick. What, what, what you know? Talk about the uh, you know the overall feel now that this season is over. I mean, I think we all know in our hearts that Jason Garrett's coached his last game, but uh, you know the entire you know staff being being let go. You know, talk about your initial reaction to to you know the fact that hey that that that's most likely what's getting ready to happen. Um, you know, it's always a tough day as a coach when you see, and then for, uh, those who are not real, uh, big on the business, uh, part of the NFL today's a day known as black Monday. Uh, and the reason is because the majority of your staffs that, uh, playoff teams are going to, uh, go ahead and let go of their head coaches during this time period, uh, as well as, uh, assistant staff. Uh, there are a lot of people involved in an NFL coaching staff and an NFL uh, roster when it comes to you know operations directors, people that do a lot of things for uh, the organization, and so you know generally you're going to hear about a head coaching staff being fired, and then each assistant is generally evaluated, um, you know uh, individually, uh, particularly by uh, the uh, you know generally the the general manager or whoever uh, is looking at you know what's going to happen in the future. Uh, sometimes they wait for those evaluations until they hire the new head coach. Um, the surprising thing for me is that these uh, reports already say that the entire coaching staff is going to be fired. Now, 
uh, I was trying to look back and just as I was preparing for the show today to think when I saw an entire staff being let go uh, in recent NFL memory, at least being announced as such uh, as the rumors are. And I can't really remember when that's happened. Um, now, with this situation, what that says, if it does happen, uh, and if it does become an official report, is that the Jason Garrett era is going to be completely washed away. Uh, for those who you know, want to know what that means, well, there are some pretty strong possibilities. Number one, uh, with Jason Garrett being gone, there's a good chance that the next head coach will be a defensive-minded coach. Uh, secondly, what it means is that uh, the young coordinators, uh, Chris Richard and, and Kellen Moore, were considered not uh, willing to, or the, the Jerry Jones and his staff considered them not uh, capable enough to uh, continue any of the things that happened, that there was not enough impression involved uh, with the way the season went for them to be retained or to be looked at uh, as being brought on the next staff. It also says, that the philosophy in the way that Jason Garrett has uh, dealt with this, uh, you know, this staff and, and personnel is likely to change. There is a good chance uh, that there might be a very strong defensive uh, philosophy change. Uh, the one thing that I consistently highlighted through the season was that you had a mishmash of philosophies between Rob Marinelli's uh, philosophy, which is a more traditional four-three cover two. Uh, you know, Tony, Tony Dungy school of defense, and then the Chris Richard uh, school that it comes out of uh, Pete Carroll and USC's look, which is the under front, uh, you know, four two five look with match man coverages. The marriage was an awful marriage; it just didn't work. And um, uh, to me, what that says is that with the Cowboys uh, having uh, at least eighteen players that are, uh, you know, either. Uh, free agents or restricted free agents on uh, the roster and, and the majority of them on defense, that there's a good chance that the uh, defense may switch back to a 3-4. Uh, and, you know, from a player's perspective, what it means is that there was not enough support in that locker room uh, or enough performance in that locker room for the Joneses to look at any particular position and say, hey, you know, maybe this guy's done a good job developing people. Um, you know, we talked about how we thought that Kellen Moore and, and, and John Kitna did a good job of, of helping Dak Prescott get better. Um, but ultimately, uh, they cannot find a way between him and, and, and Moore and Jason Garrett, three experienced NFL quarterbacks, uh, to get consistent wins out of their offense and to get con consistent production when it mattered. Uh, so, you know, each position <clears throat> is usually evaluated individually, but what the Joneses are saying is that there is going to be an entire philosophy change here. And for those who are and have complained about Jerry Jones needing to leave the team and Jerry Jones needing to sell the team, nothing's going to change until Jerry Jones gets his nose out of the business. Um, you know, to me, that is the biggest excuse that Cowboys fans make that is just ridiculous. Jerry Jones is a very hands-on owner, much more so than some of the owners in the NFL. But Jerry Jones also has shown over time that he understands that his role is not to be in the coaching office, but definitely to hold people accountable for the production. Now, he's been one of the more loyal owners in the NFL. I mean, Jason Garrett got nine years, three as a coordinator, six as a head coach, to mold this team the way he wanted to mold it. 
And to me, as somebody who's a former player and as somebody who's uh, coached at high levels, that's not a bad thing. We get this microwave society where people want, uh, you know, going from four and 12 to being a Super Bowl contender every year. And that just doesn't happen. Uh, look at the mess you got in Cleveland. Look at the mess you have in New York. They brought in coaches year after year after year, and nothing's changed. They go four and 12 every year. Um, you don't want that. And again, Cowboys fans have a higher expectation. I understand that eight and eight is not good enough. And that's why Jason Garrett is gone. But the idea that Jerry Jones is unresponsive uh, to the situation or that Stephen Jones, uh, who is also you know, the person who really works with the football personnel, does not see that this talent underachieved and that there needs to be a different direction, uh, I believe is something that is only an emotional reaction. It doesn't coincide with the facts. Now, that being said, um, the challenge here is that if you have a completely leaderless ship, there's a lot that could go on when it comes to the personnel, particularly those who are not under contract. Uh, there's not really anything holding them to the Dallas Cowboys at this point. And so some of these free agents that we're trying to sign, including Dak Prescott and including Amari Cooper, if the Cowboys don't get somebody in staff with a pretty magnetic uh, personality and somebody who's uh, you know proven into that position once the change is officially made in a very quick manner, there's a chance that Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper are neither Dallas Cowboys uh, in 2020. So it will be interesting from here to see what the Joneses do as far as the speed and the size. And when I say size, I mean the 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 bigness of the name, the the largesse of the candidates who's going to become the next coach of the Dallas Cowboys because when you have everybody cleared out, that's a, a blessing and a curse. You can completely change the direction of the team, but if you don't change it the right way, it could be a disaster for Dallas. So hopefully um, what it does set the table for is for the Joneses to do a very thorough evaluation, but also a, a very timely evaluation about who the next head coach for the Dallas Cowboys is going to be. Yeah, you know, and, and there's a few things I want to address to that. First and foremost, for all the Cowboy fans, and you know what? I find a lot of the time it's not Cowboys fans. It's it's fans of other organizations that are usually still talking about Jerry Jones meddling and players going around the coach to the to to Jerry Jones. Guys, th these are things of the past. Yes, have Jer has that happened with Jerry Jones? Yes, it has in the past. But if you think that's still going on today, guys, then you just don't follow this team close enough to, to know what's right and what's wrong. Jerry Jones has continued to relinquish control of this team to Stephen Jones and Will McClay in order you know, to for the good of the team. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that, folks. If you don't believe that, then I'm sorry. You, ju you just don't understand the way this organization has been running for quite some time. Jerry Jones, the days of him saying, no, no, Bill Parcells, we are going to bring in Terrell Owens because he is going to make a difference on this team. Th those days are gone. Those days of coming down to the field... You know, and 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 you know, getting in, you know, and, and and pissing Jimmy Johnson off, you know, those days are gone. You know, does is he hands on? Does he come after a bad game? Does he come down and and talk to the team? Absolutely, he does. There are plenty of owners in this league to do that. Is he out there on the practice field shaking hands with people and 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 talking with some of his players at times? Sure. 
But to think that he's this that 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 he's the same guy that we that 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 ran Jimmy out of town because of his antics, and the same one that got under Bill Parcells' Parcells' skin time and time again. You know, guys, those days are gone. And if you like, I say, if you don't understand that, folks then you just don't understand how this team is being run today in 2019, almost 2020. Okay? Th- that's first and foremost. Now, moving on from that, Coach Ty, I- I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to disagree with you on a few things. And for those of y'all who listen to the show, me and Coach Ty don't disagree on much, but we do occasionally disagree. Sometimes, you know, Coach Ty thinks that good teams are built from the inside out. Because he was an offensive lineman. I was a wide receiver. I know that good teams are built from the inside out. I know that every single success I had was because people blocked and that quarterback made an awesome throw to me and I was just lucky enough to get my hands on it. So me and Coach Ty disagree on that. But I'll say this, Coach Ty. This is, if indeed the entire coaching staff is let go, like we're hearing is kind of being braced for, prepared for by by the people in that locker room. If that is indeed the case, I don't think it's because they don't believe Kellen Moore, Chris Richard are are capable at their coordinator positions or anything like that. What I do think it is, is I think this is Stephen Jones and, and Jerry and even Will McClay getting together and say, Jerry, you know what? Let's think back to past mistakes. Do you remember when we hired Jason Garrett, prior to Wade Phillips, we hired an offensive coordinator and then turned around and hired a head coach and say, hey, by the way, this is your offensive coordinator. You remember the kind of stink that had the kind of, you know, understanding that that gave to this organization about about, hey, Jason Garrett, you know, he he's technically head coach one a. You know, offensive players, you go to Garrett. Defensive players, you go to Wade Phillips. <clears throat> I think that 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 they got together and said, look, if we're going to have a head coaching search, then we need to bring a head coach in. And we need to let him know that, bud, no decisions are being made by us when it comes to your staff. We will have input. We will let you know, hey, man, this guy does a terrific job. We'd really like you to talk with some of these guys and see if these guys can't be part of your staff. Mark Colombo, for instance, John Kitna, Chris Richard, Kellen Moore. Even, you know, I've always been a a, a big fan of of Coach Lau, the wide receivers coach, although we did lead the league in drops this year. Um which, which, you know, that's that's definitely a, a, a disparaging mark on on his record. But but the bottom line is there are some good position coaches, and the coordinators have showed at times that there is promise there. But I don't want anybody already having their position set. You know, I, I think that's what that means is, hey, we're not going to make that same mistake twice. We are not going to go into a situation with our head coach already knowing, hey, bud, you know what? Yes, you're the head coach, but we run this ship. You know, I, I think that's a little bit that that's what I would hope was the the message is, hey, man, we're, we're not going to make that mistake again. We're going to come in and we're going to we're going to make sure this head coach knows that, hey, bud, I, I've got control of what's going on here with my staff. Um, You know, and, and, and I want to say this too, Coach Ty. 
because this disappointed me. And 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 I've said this to a number of people on social media. I've said it to a num- number of people who've talked to me about the Dallas Cowboys head coaching position moving forward. It disappoints me a little bit if Jerry Jones and guys, let's be honest, Jerry Jones had to know that this decision was was going to be made. He had to know that in his heart, he was going to have to make that leap and get rid of his buddy, Jason Garrett. I'm just not buying that Jerry Jones just came to that realization in the last 24 to 48 hours. And that frustrates me a little bit because A, Jason Garrett is your buddy. And B, Jason Garrett has done some very good things here in Dallas. He's been a terrific human being, a terrific leader for many of the players who have come through here. Jason Garrett's players respect him. They love playing for him. You know, I, I don't think you'll you'll talk to very many people who would say disparaging things about Jason Garrett that played under him or coached under him or have even been around him. He's a grade A human being. He's a grade A role model, a, a professional. You know, and I believe if you're Jerry Jones, you have to allow him to go out that way. And what I mean by that is you have to make an announcement early in the week leading up to the Redskins game. Guys, we are not going to offer Jason Garrett an extension at the end of the year. You know, this will be his last game coaching for the Dallas Cowboys, you know, on our home field. Because now the mood changes. Because I'm telling you right now, with the uncertainty, there are uh, Cowboys fans were still negative. I guarantee in that stadium, there were plenty of Cowboy fans that were, you know, Jason Garrett better be gone, better be gone. That was the environment. But if you know he's gone, then it gives all those fans in that stadium, it gives Cowboys Nation a chance to say, okay, let's, you know what? We know he's gone. Guys, this is his last game then. Let's remember the good things. Let's remember, you know, the human being. I mean, has Jason Garrett ever thrown anybody under the bus? Never. Has he, you know, ever, you know, gotten in an argument or, you know, or given another team bulletin board material, gone out and guaranteed a win or gone out and criticized a coach for someone else? Jason Garrett has always been a class act. And that's what he deserves to be remembered for. Sure, guys. He could, with, with some very talented teams through his tenure here, he could not get the job done. Of course, that's going to be part of the narrative. But, Jerry Jones, you have the power to at least turn the narrative, to focus on the positive things, and allow him, in a game where we went out and we beat Washington 47-16, to allow him to go out, wave to the crowd, be cheered, Feel proud that, you know what, hey, at least I went out on a good note, even though this season was a very big disappointment. That's what he deserves, you know. And and, and Cowboys fans, I want him gone too. I made that clear in the middle of the season. I've drawn my line in the sand. I want him out. But that doesn't, you know, that doesn't mean that I don't respect the things he's done here. It doesn't mean that I didn't wish that it could have been him to be the one to get the job done. I think plenty of Cowboys fans feel that way. So, you know, those are kind of the areas that uh, 
that I'm kind of focusing on at this particular moment. I'm a little bit disappointed in Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones for not allowing that. Guys, there's no way in my mind that y'all didn't know this. So you know what? You know, don't, don't allow him to go out there and be booed. Allow people to, you know, appre- uh, focus on the appreciation of the things he's done over his time here, as opposed to just focus on the fact that this team is about as disappointed as Cowboy fans have been in a while. We're going to go ahead and take a break now. Coach Ty, when we get back, we are going to talk about this 47-16 victory over the Washington Redskins. Uh, the Cowboys finish 8-8 eight and eight on the season. We'll get into uh, this final effort when we get back here on the Big D Beatdown. And we are back here on the Big D Beatdown. I'm your host, Austin Smith, joined as always by Coach Ty Rogers. And Coach Ty, you know... um, I have to say, you know, uh, overall, that football game that we played on uh, Sunday, you know, um, it, it, it it was a good game. I mean, you look at the scoreboard, 47 to 16. Obviously, yes, plenty went right for the Dallas Cowboys. I'm not sure how much the Washington Redskins wanted to go right for them, seeing as how, you know, they've got a strong possibility now. Well, they are the number two pick in this draft, and there's a very strong possibility that they are going to be taking Chase Young, the best player in this draft, the defensive end out of Ohio State. Um, and we'll get into a few of those things, you know, later. But but bottom line is this, you know, the Dallas Cowboys. Hey, we came out, we ran the football well. Zeke ran the ball well. Tony Pollard ran the ball well. Uh, Dak had a very very shaky start, but eventually got his rhythm. And all of a sudden, it was Michael Gallup left and right. Amari Cooper, you know, made a number of plays. Uh, Randall Cobb made a number of plays. Um, Coach Ty, you know, talk about this final offensive effort of the season. You know, was this what you'd hope this team would be? Or, or, or are those numbers a little inflated based on the fact that, like I say, we're playing a team that, um, you know, and you never want to say that a team is going to tank a game away. But certainly, I don't know if the Washington Redskins' heart was in it. You know, how did you feel about this offensive effort? Um, I mean, it was a pretty good effort. Uh, the, the Cowboys' offensive line was pretty beat up. And, um, you know, that whole left side of the line was – uh, you know, uh, not incredibly uh, well suited to uh, to you know hold up for the entire game. Um, you know, you got your third string guard, you got a tackle, haven't played the left side very much at all. Um, and you know, uh, Dak Prescott felt a little heat early, and um, yet at the same time, he was able to find receivers. He was able to get Zeke Kelly going a little bit. Um, and as, you know, time went on, the Cowboys were able to just kind of, you know, just pick the poison and, 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 you know, to, to, uh, you know, exploit the fact that the Redskins were just so badly undermanned. Um, you know, it, it's the same thing that has been the frustration all year long. You look at some of the improvements that were made scheme wise and some of the improvements that were made production wise, uh, for people like Michael Gallup, for people like, uh, you know, uh, Blake Jarwin. Um, and you think, man, this, this offense could have done so much more. Um, but the problem was never yards. I mean, the, the Cowboys still at the end of the year have outscored their opponents. Um, and it certainly wasn't, you know, uh, the ability to, to score. It was just the fact that in, you know, a major situation, uh, when it was needed against good teams, the Cowboys couldn't do the same things they did against the Redskins. Um, I mean, and it's funny too because the play calling always seemed so different against teams that had inferior talent. 
versus teams that had superior talent. Uh, for instance, you know, we talked about how in the Philadelphia game, the Cowboys did not run the ball out of a wide uh, three wide receiver or any type of shotgun formation whatsoever. They were under center. They had two tight ends every time, the strong side, but every time they ran the football. Uh, you know, they varied things up pretty well. Uh, you saw the gap scheme return, which, by the way, uh, if you watch the Philadelphia game, they went back to running nothing but zone. Um, you know, you saw the the pin and pull with, with Joe Looney and, and Travis Frederick getting out front for Zeke to score. Um, you saw, you know, Amari Cooper uh, isolated, put in the slot motion so that he could get a one-on-one, even though he was not healthy uh, throughout the last part of the year. We have somebody who's not healthy, you have to do those type of things. Um, Randall Cobb, same thing. Uh, you know, motions in on a three-receiver set, being the outside guy, motion the inside guy crossing the field. Uh, you know, getting hit in the middle of the field with a wide open pass. Um, you know, you saw Dak Prescott run the football and RPO and get 20 yards. Those are all things that I thought were going to be consistent throughout the year, and they just weren't. Um, but against the Redskins, they did a good job of doing things. Uh, Zeke Elliott seemed to finish the year well uh, with the way that he played. Hopefully, uh, as time goes on, no matter who the head coach is, they're going to do a better job of getting him in those type of situations. Um, you know, using Tony Pollard, even if he was just a decoy, those things were done well. Um, and, you know, even, you know, old Jason Witten is, you know, though he might be somewhere, you know, he may be somewhere coaching next year, including the Dallas Cowboys, maybe from or the rumors you hear. Uh, he did a good job of you know, doing his role, which is to be a, an outlet guy on bootlegs, an outlet guy on, on you know, uh, you know, play action, those type of things, which is really what he was here to do. Um, it's just the frustrating part, like I said, is just I don't believe that with the talent that they had, the Cowboys could have done that against anybody. But it was so drastically different from the game plan against Philadelphia. I just don't understand, again, between the three quarterbacks that were running this team this year. Um, and when I say that, I mean John Kitna, uh, you know, uh, Jason Garrett, and Kellen Moore how that couldn't be a consistent diet. I just I haven't been able to figure it out all year long. Uh, as an offensive guy, it astounds me because I think about if for myself, and again, you, you can you know, look at me and say, I'm just a, nothing but a high school coach, but uh, I've called plays on Friday nights. Uh, I, I've assisted calling plays on Saturday afternoons, and, and you know, I know what it's like to be in the heat of the moment. Having those weapons available when it's third and two, when it's, you know, fourth and, and one, when it's second and six, and not using them consistently like they did against Washington is just the biggest disappointment, I think, all year long. Um, you know, we talked about the defensive side of the ball, and, and I've been very vocal about the disappointments there. But offensively, that was my biggest disappointment, is that that stuff could have happened all year long. It didn't. It was a good performance against a team that was not so good. But uh, it was not something that they did all year long. And that is the frustrating part. Whoever ends up inheriting this group, um, you know, assuming that Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper come back, they have to make a point of making a consistent identity for this team with those weapons and getting the ball in those people's hands. Because if they do that, they are a dangerous offense. And we saw that against Washington again. But you can't just play the Washington Redskins every week. Absolutely not. Yeah. It, and, you know, it's boy, seeing that stat go up. What did we outscore our opponents by this year? 113 points. And 
that was the second highest amount for a team that didn't finish with a winning record in NFL history. I mean, that's that's such a telling stat in the fact that, oh, everybody wants to talk about, oh, our offense was never the problem. They were scoring points. Guys, you don't outscore teams by 113 points if you are scoring in a timely fashion. What I mean by that is go back to the Green Bay games. Go back to the Chicago and Buffalo games. Go back to a lot of these games where the scores got out of hand so quickly that the Cowboys had to abandon the game plan that they had put forth for the offense in that particular game. You know, hey, scoring points is great. You got to do it consistently. You have to do it especially early on in the games. That way, and you know, and you and I talked about that, Coach Ty. We talked about, guys, we have to score early and the defense has to get stops early just so we can in, ensure that Zeke Elliott is part of the game plan and is still running the football in the third and fourth quarter consistently. You know, uh, and, and that's part of it. Yes, I, I blame a lot of that on the defense, which we'll get to in a bit. But you know what, offense? Hey, it's, it's on you too. You know, the three and outs in the first half, you know, that we had, the, the, the low-scoring first halves, the times we were going into halftime down by two or three scores, you know, guys, that, 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 there's, that, that, there's blame for, for everybody on the field in that situation. And, and yes, this offense scored plenty of points. However, didn't always score them when we needed them to. You know, and, and and I don't ever like the term garbage time. I don't like the idea of people saying, oh, well, how many of those points were, you know, late in fourth quarters when you were down by t- blah, blah, blah. You know what? I don't like that term. But you know what? At the end of the day, that's part of the argument to, yes, we scored a ton of points, but at the end, but but yet we were not a consistent offense. And that's kind of how the way I, you know, that that was kind of the 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 issue in this one. You know, uh, yes, early on, you know, we we made some plays. However, we get two turnovers. We turn them into six points. Guys, against the Washington Redskins, that's disappointing. I know what the final score is. We get two turnovers early in the game. We turn it into six points. That does not beat playoff teams. It doesn't beat teams competing to be in the playoffs. That's not good enough to beat at least 16 to 20 teams in the NFL. It's good enough to beat the Washington Redskins. It's not good enough to beat the majority of the teams in the NFL, though. You've got to take advantage of those opportunities, putting touchdowns on the board, converting, I mean, getting first downs, not just three and out and and kicking it. You know, guys, those are things that have to be consistent in order for those offensive numbers to truly give us those stati- those stat sheets to truly give us an accurate view of what's going on. But for anybody who comes out of this season and says, oh, the offense wasn't the problem. Guys, the offense was the problem. Defense was the problem too. But the offense don't get no, they, they, they don't get to skate free. There were plenty of problems for them. Uh, Coach Ty, I, I, I want to I talk to you about this too, sir. Dak Prescott in this first half, he kind of got an idea of what it's like to play behind an offensive line that's not the best in the league. You mentioned it. Joe Looney, Cam Fleming did not necessarily hold up well in this game early on. Montez Sweat, I mentioned it in the pre-show, Montez Sweat looks like a defensive rookie of the year candidate for a half of football. 
He's got me worried about the possibility of the Washington Redskins, which is a very strong possibility of them getting Chase Young. Putting him with Montez Sweat, having that young duo for a minimum of four years. <laughs> yeah, that's got me worried. But, I, you know, I, I'm wondering if we won't see a little positive come out of that, Coach Ty. Dak Prescott just got, got an idea of what it's like to play behind a bad offensive line. He's never had to do that in his NFL career. Sure, we've had injuries at times. Travis Frederick sat out all last year. But he's never had to be behind an offensive line, even in this case, where one side of it is just not getting the job done in pass protection. And he struggled early in that game. Coach Ty, do, do, do you think when you know when everything comes down and he's making his contract demands, his agent is making their contract demands of what they want the Dallas Cowboys to pay in order to keep him, and the Dallas Cowboys are holding tight saying, no, we're not going to pay that much, you can come down, otherwise you can go look for work elsewhere. Do you think that that doesn't sit in the back of Dak Prescott's mind? Yeah, you know what, I, I could go play for... You know, for the, the the Chargers or the Panthers. or And there's a number of teams out there that need quarterbacks. But let's be realistic. Not every one of them is going to be able to f- afford a 30 to $35 million price tag at one position. Not all of them are going to be willing to pass on the Joe Burrow or the Tua Tagovailoa or the Justin Herbert in this draft for a 30 to $35 million quarterback. There's not going to be a ton of options for Dak Prescott in the offseason based on his salary demands and the team's current expectations of what they're looking for. Having said that, Coach Ty, what do you think, man? Do you think Dak Prescott, maybe maybe he lowers his demands a little bit knowing that, man, I'm in a blessed situation? Um, I hope so for his sake. I mean, and again, that's not a, a knock on Dak Prescott, but. Uh, Dak Prescott, for all the things he may be, is not somebody who's real quick on his release, get the ball out. And if he lines up behind an offensive line that does not allow him to scan the field the way he wants to do it against, uh, you know, uh, opponents, uh, and take the time that he needs, which is a little bit more than the average quarterback, according to stats, um, then he's going to find that he's going to end up, you know, uh, in a lot of pain a lot of very quickly. Um, I think that overall, hopefully, he understands that this is the best best fit for him, um, and that that offensive line has done a great job over the last few years of allowing him to develop. Um, there were plenty of times in that game, even with the backups that were playing on the last hour, Dallas, uh, Dak Prescott had five, six, seven, you know, seconds to throw the football. And that's a luxury that a lot of teams do not give you. If you, you know, and anybody who watches the league, I mean, ask Baker Mayfield. He would love to have uh, a few seconds to throw the football. Um, and uh, a good offensive line makes a good quarterback. It's just bottom line. Um, I think that Dak Prescott, when he comes down to looking at evaluating whether or not he really wants to press this $40 million demand that he has. Um, you know, considering the options, I, I think he will be foolhardy to think that he's just going to be able to find a setup like he has here anywhere. Um, you know, we could, as Dallas Cowboy fans, be upset for the season, but I mean, you've got five guys coming back who are potential all pros again next year. And uh, if you're a quarterback, I just don't see how you'd want to just run off and leave that. Um, you know, uh, you know, not much can be said about the future until we kind of know who's in 
uh, personnel wise. But uh, I do know that, you know, it should be something that he definitely considers, uh, you know, it's not just your playing ability in the NFL. Uh, it's definitely people around you. And, and if he wants to continue to stay healthy into the next part of his career, he needs to think about who's blocking for him. And uh, there's not uh, still a better offensive line when it comes down to a unit than the one that's here in Dallas. Yeah, I, you, you got to consider it, Dak Prescott. You got to consider what playing in an offense that doesn't have Ezekiel Elliott and an offensive like that would be like because it ain't going to be fun. And Coach Ty, you get it in your head, sir. Good teams are built from the inside out. Not maybe. They are. I'll do my best. <laughs> and, you know, I and, and I'll say this much, too. We'll, we'll, we'll close out before we go to a break. We'll close out with this. Uh, you know, Jason Witten, talk about that, Coach Ty. Talk about, um, you know, he. I, I kind of did hope that he would uh, get a touchdown catch or two, you know, because obviously, you know, we, guys, we, we all know the, uh, the Bob Lilly story and how he's Mr. Cowboy. You know, for someone who's my age, I'm, I'm, I'm 35 years old, guys. For someone my age, I never got to see Bob Lilly play. I never got to see the impact he had on a franchise. I never got to see him be the epitome of what a Dallas Cowboys should be. I did get to see Jason Witten, and that's the best example I can come up with. And all the years I've been watching football, through the early 90s Super Bowl runs, through the you know the disappointing years, the 13 and three years that ended too soon, the the rebuilding modes, you know, Jason Witten is the epitome of what I believe a Dallas Cowboy should be. And he is my Mr. Cowboy. So, yes, there was a part of me that wanted him to go out and catch a touchdown and tie Des Bryant for the most in, in Cowboys history or even get two and take over the lead. Uh, but, you know, having said that, I, I, I scratch my head as to uh, if this season really was what Jason Witten had hoped it would be. If, you know, obviously, you know, I said it earlier in the year when, when, when we first came out with rosters, Coach Ty. You remember I, I said, guys, you know, is there not a blocking tight end? I remember set the valve uh, was it was cut by Cleveland, I believe, and and I said, man, it would it would make sense, you know, to go out and get, and go after a guy like that. Dalton Schultz missed the entire training camp. We really don't know if he can be that blocking tight end. You know, it would really help to have defined roles for all three tight ends and leave it at that. Guys, when those, when we need that role in, you go in. There is no number one tight end like Jason Witten, which turned out to be Jason Witten was our number one tight end. We played him as if he was our number one tight end. And sometimes we gritted our teeth because we wanted to see Blake Jarwin in in some uh, circumstances. Coach Ty, you know, and, and, and I also say this too, it kind of makes me cringe a little to think about the the Jason Witten's career coming to an end, where if you subtract this Washington Redskins game, he had six drops in four, in four games. I mean that. I mean if 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 this Washington before this Washington game, that was the narrative. Is is that's what you know his career was going to go out on? Lucky he had a, a a solid outing against Washington, but you know, Coach Ty. Now that, you know, hindsight's, you know, available, what, what do you think about Jason Witten coming back this year? You know, did he, uh, do you know, did we play him too much? Was this what he came back for? Does it, does it, you know, put a, a little bit of a blemish on his legacy? How, how did you feel about Witten's return? 
you know, it, it's a complicated situation because you do have somebody who's such a good player, who is a Hall of Fame, who who will be a Hall of Fame player, who will be a, a a Ring of Honor uh, inductee at some point here uh, in Dallas. Um, and for him to come back, uh, you know, this year and to be able to contribute uh, the way he did is actually pretty amazing. I mean, considering you know he was out of football a year and was definitely. You know, when it comes to our tight ends, he was definitely the most balanced guy on the field. I mean, he could do a lot of things in line blocking and, and also catching the football that, quite frankly, you know, uh, Dalton Schultz and, and Blake Jarwin just couldn't do, you know, uh, individually. Uh, and that's, you know, when you think about it, that's a pretty amazing feat. Now, as far as it was, he used the way that was most effective for, for this offense. I don't know. I mean, there are times he was. He had some great catches, but like you said, he was put in some situations, uh, you know, where we, we were throwing him the ball in a crucial situation. I thought to myself, okay, well, why wasn't it somebody else, to be honest? Um, there's some routes that he ran. I thought to myself, Blake Jarwin would have definitely been the better guy to run that route. Um, and, you know, like you said, some of the production fell off as the year went on, as he got beat up, as, as you know, maybe his concentration level wasn't quite what he uh, is used to or what we're used to watching him as fans. So I don't think that it tarnishes his legacy any. Uh, I do think that uh, he could have been used better, um, but even maybe more importantly going forward, I think that for his career, um, and of course, you know, you can't tell anybody what to do with their own career, uh, but for his career, I hope this is the last year. I hope this is the last time he laces it up um, and he goes on into coaching or whatever he wants to do. Uh, there's no better human being in the NFL from every report that I can think of. And there's definitely you know very few tight ends who play the game very better than he is. Um, I would have liked to have seen him better utilized, uh, more consistently better utilized over the course of the year, but he did make some major contributions. Um, you know, again, we, we get used to uh, people who have the ability that Jason Witten does performing at that peak level every year. And it's just not possible. Uh, but considering everything that happened, I think he did a good job for the Cowboys. Um, most balanced tight end, like I said, on the roster. And, you know, hopefully this is, uh, his ride into the sunset. Absolutely. We're going to take one more break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the defense and we're going to put a bow on this season. Uh, we'll do all that when we get back here on the Big D Beatdown. And we are back. This is the Big D Beatdown and I'm your host, Austin Smith, joined as always by Coach Ty Rogers. And Coach Ty, you know, um, <laughs> I got to say, you know, the defense shocked me a little bit early. You know, we come out, we get an interception from Jalen Smith. Uh, we get a fumble recovery uh, by Xavier Woods. Um you know, it, it was, you know, it, it, it was a nice, I almost want to say teaser to the way that we'd hope this defense would look for an entire season. Forcing turnovers, getting their hands on balls, on passes, getting their hands on the quarterback, making it tough for running backs to get any room inside. I mean, we had high expectations for this defense coming into the season. Coming out of it, uh, they are th those expectations are long gone. But you know what? Uh, let's talk about one cowboy in particular first and foremost. That'd be Jalen Smith. You know, I, I thought Jalen had an up and down season. I thought there were times where he did not play well. He did not tackle well. 
Um, I thought there were times we used him in the blitz where he would where he was rather effective. I thought there were times in coverage, which is, to be quite honest, probably the weakest part of his game is playing in coverage. And I thought he did well there. And let's be honest, guys, this is a guy that can run. This is an athlete. He is a competitor. This is a guy that can cover. But Leighton Vander Esch is usually a little bit more adept in that area than Jalen Smith is. I thought Jalen Smith, you know, had you know, did some good things this year and that, but also had his struggles. The bottom line is Jalen Smith, though, came out in this final game. He's involved in eight tackles. He gets to the quarterback a few times, you know, gets pressure, you know, ends up getting a sack, I believe. You know, obviously the interception. You know, talk about Jalen Smith, because I was looking for those players, Coach Ty, and I know you were too. We were looking for those guys who were going to end this season on a high note to give themselves some individual momentum going into the offseason. Give themselves some hype to, yeah, you know what, see, I am capable of doing this consistently, of consistently being a playmaker, of being able to do things in a variety of eras to help this football team on my side of the ball. I looked forward on offense. I looked forward on defense. I looked forward in young players. I wish Tristan Hill, Tristan Hill did play quite a bit. I wish we would have seen more from him. I wish Donovan Wilson would have played more. I wish, to be perfectly honest, Brandon Knight had gotten an opportunity. You know, I like Joe Looney, and I know Brandon Knight was moved to tackle very earlier in the season after they initially moved him to guard to start training camp. You know, I wish he would have gotten an opportunity over Joe Looney. And I love Joe Looney. But I would have liked to have seen Brandon Knight, you know, get a little time at that left guard spot. Or better yet, get Lyle Collins off the field. The guy is hurting. No more. Guess what? Cam Fleming, Brandon Knight, you guys go out there and do the job. But at the end of the day, I thought Jalen Smith was probably the one that I said, you know what? You are going out on a high note. Talk about Jalen Smith's effort in this one, Coach Ty. Well, you saw from him the, the things that we saw last year and, like I said, different times this year uh, that got him the contract that he signed uh, you know, earlier. Uh, and those things are is that Jalen Smith can cover an entire half of the field. Uh, he's got good instincts. He, he's very good coming downhill, um, very physical tackler. Uh, and that showed many times in this game. Um, like I said, was brought in the blitz and was able to get home, which I don't think they did enough of this year with the Dallas Cowboys. I thought that Jalen Smith a lot of times could have been utilized uh, as that that fifth guy on a pass rush um, and been very, very effective. Um, you see the talent. You see that this guy could be uh, you know, an all-pro for years to come. Um, you know, And you also see some of the things – that in this game that you you missed in a lot of the big games. And again, I, I unfortunately credit that to his lack of development through coaching this year. He's got great instincts, but a lot of times he will overrun plays. And he did that a couple of times in this game. He did that a lot during the season. Uh, like you said, his, his coverage abilities are things that need to be refined. It's not that he can't. and It's not that he doesn't have the speed or physical capability. It's just he never seemed to really look like he knew exactly where to go. And that's why Leighton Vanderish is a better cover linebacker than he is. Uh, Leighton Vanderish seemed to understand better where his zone was, how to cover people, what routes were coming to him, and how to scan the field to find them. And, you know, a lot of times Jalen Smith didn't do that in bigger games. He did pretty well in this game. Um, and, you know, when you look at the future of this team, Jalen Smith is a big part of it because he can do everything at linebacker that you ask him to do. 
we saw that last year and we were incredibly excited with the fact that, you know, here's a guy who didn't even have an off season ultimately who was able to do that. And we thought we we're going to see that more consistently this year. And I don't necessarily blame everything on him though. I think that again, maybe it's a lack of coaching, but I also feel, I feel like he got a little bit in love with his talent and doing some things uh, and, and was not as fundamentally sound as he was last year in the way he played. Uh, particularly in tackling and, and the way that he runs angles. Um, but you saw when he has it all together, he's one of the more dangerous linebackers in the NFL. He's one of the better linebackers in the NFL. Um, hopefully whoever comes in next, uh, particularly the defensive coordinator, understands that this guy is a foundational player and develops him like that um, because he's got every tool that you need, speed, size, ability, um, instincts and just uh, the nose for the football uh, because of his preparation and ability to run angles. And in the Washington game, he was on point, and you saw how destructive he can be. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, uh, I, you know, I it's hard for me, you know, not to, you know, look at a number of the guys that had impacts in this game. I thought, you know. Uh, Malik Collins, you know, this was probably the best year he's put together. He had a, a solid outing. Michael Bennett, Robert Quinn, um, you know, definitely some guys out there that, you know, Jeff Heath actually uh, looked pretty solid at times, too. I mean, I, I, I just got to say, I look at this defense and I look at the number of guys that had strong showings just to turn around and realize that, you know what, yeah, they're probably not going to be back there this year. They're probably not going to be back next year. You know, the Coach Ty, you know, we got a, a very few glimpses of what this defense was capable of. Uh, but, you know, do you think, do, do you honestly think that this defense is going to look anything like it did, though, personnel-wise, comes to next year? And I know the coaching staff the defensive uh, scheme, the whatever they want to put us in, whether it's an odd man front, whether it's a hybrid scheme, whether they want to stick with a four man front, you know. D- d- but it, no matter the case, do you really think that this defense is going to look outside of Demarcus Lawrence, Jalen Smith, Leighton Vanderesh? Do you think this defense is going to look much the same next year? Yeah, I, I don't. Um... There are too many free agents uh, on the defensive side of the ball. And the uh, the thing about the, the defense, again, and, and this mishmash that you had going on between Rod Marinelli and Chris Richard that's no longer going to be the case, you've got personnel fits that just don't mesh. You've got long, big defensive backs who are not necessarily super fast. Um, you've got some guys like Cheetah Bay Awuzie who have world-class speed, but not a lot of skill uh when it comes to playing the position that they are playing um and, and you know we talked all year long about she think about she would be a great safety but he ended up playing corner all year and even though he made some plays in the washington game overall he had the same problems he did last year he can't turn his head and cover he can't cover one-on-one uh not consistently against big time nfl receivers um your defensive line you know we've talked ad nauseum about the fact that the defensive line is a pass rushing built defensive line with no one really to play the run. And that cost the Cowboys a ton this year. Um, you know, Leighton Vanderish and, and, and Jalen Smith, we assume are going to be back and be the foundation of this defense. 
you've got to make a decision though on the outside. Can you bring back guys uh, that are athletic safety types, um, you know, and um, like Donovan Wilson, and and make them guys who are outside linebackers uh, in position, but at the same time with pass responsibilities like the Chris Richard defense was supposed to be run, or do you bring in heavier guys that can play up on the line of scrimmage, which Sean Lee tried to do a lot this year, but he, he just didn't have the ability to do so. It's just not really what he was. Um, but regardless, every position you look at, you see this hybrid mishmash of different players, and it just can't be like that. You're going to have to come with one philosophy and therefore tailor your defense to that philosophy. Um, whether they do stick with a four-man or three-man front doesn't matter. You still have to have the personnel in place to play the defense, and you have to have a defensive idea of responsibilities because, again, defensive football is not like offensive football. And offensive football is a team game, but individuals can make up for a lot of mistakes, can make up for a lot of philosophy issues. If you got one running back behind an offensive line, even if you're not a great running team, he can make a, a great impact. If you are an offensive team has a great quarterback and mediocre receivers, you can win a Super Bowl. Just look at what New England's done over several years. But on defense, if you don't have 11 guys running to the football with a clear understanding of responsibilities and that fit together, you are not going to have a successful defense. The Cowboys' defense was horrid all year long because of this mishmash, and the only way that that's going to change is if they move personnel. And because also of the expiring contracts you've got, uh, you're going to see a lot of people go in free agency. I mean, I just can't see how they're going to hold on to Robert Quinn. I don't see them holding on to Michael Bennett. I don't see them holding on uh, to several other players because it's just not going to work for them. Byron Jones is not going to come back. Um, so, yeah, you're going to see a lot of different faces on this team next year defensively. Yeah, and you know, one one name you mentioned early, uh, I, I want to throw a few words in about him. Sean Lee is another one, you know, I look at in the Jason Witten mold. I'd love for him to go out as a Dallas Cowboy. The difference between him and Witten is I think Sean Lee might see if there's still an opportunity out there where he can help a football team. I don't, I personally think his time has kind of come to an end. We saw him have some bright moments this year. There's no doubt about that. We also saw him be a, a complete liability. I mean, we saw teams, even against Washington, we saw them, you know, find ways to get him singled up on a, a running back, a tight end, one-on-one in space, knowing that, bud, you're, you're just not capable of making those plays in open space. Not if, if we execute it properly. And they, they did on a couple of occasions. Um Having said that, you know, Sean Lee, you know, he's where Jason Witten is, you know, everything that the Cowboys fans want to remember. Sean Lee, you know, had every bit as much potential to be that kind of guy and injuries just ate away at his career. He's another guy that's probably got uh, a future as a coach, you know, um, it would be awesome, you know, if, if maybe, you know, whoever comes in here would would see fit to maybe make him a defensive, you know, assistant, a quality control coach, something early on just to kind of get him in the habit of it and see if he can't work his way up, you know, into a linebacker coach or, a, a, a you know, a defensive coordinator someday. But <clears throat> but the bottom line is, you know, I, I just – I don't know if Sean Lee's ready to hang it up. I really don't. But I, I, you know, I'd certainly love to to remember him as a guy who played his whole career here in Dallas and uh, 
And yes, it, I would have loved for it to have been healthier than it was. But at the end of the day, Sean Lee, you know, it was just for so many years, it was a pleasure watching him. And, and whether he decides to play again or not, I think his days in Dallas are done. Coach Ty, you know, uh, let's go ahead and wrap the show up. You know, this is a uh, eight and eight. You know, um, you know, what can we say about it that we haven't said a hundred times over this season, Coach Ty? I mean, let's be honest. I mean, uh, you know, uh, we've we we've griped about you know um, balance on offense, sometimes getting too pass heavy, sometimes you know, uh, you know. Just you know, not being consistent enough to to keep the run game an option. Um, you know, different players. Why isn't Tony Pollard more involved? Why isn't Randall Cobb more involved? Why isn't Tavon Austin or Blake Jarwin more involved? You know, uh, it's defensively the 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 mix mosh, the miss mix mosh. You know, it, 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 you know, put a bow on the eight and eight season. You know, if there's anything you can take away from this. And and say to yourself, you know what? <laughs> that last season that Jason Garrett was head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, you know what? That's what I'll remember it for most. What would that be, Coach Ty? You did for a second, sorry. The, but uh, yeah, I what I see and the thing that I'll remember the most is just the the team with the most recognizable identity in all sports. Uh, having a lack of identity just overall offensively defensively uh, it's it's a frustrating thing because this team had the pieces to to go to the next level uh we were excited about that at the beginning of the year uh in multiple areas and in multiple positions but football is more than talent and a lot of people do not understand that a lot of coaches don't understand it um but ultimately you have to have a direction. You have to have a sense of who you are. You have to have confidence in what you're doing. And the Cowboys never really established on either side of the football. And thus, you had a very mediocre team because you had talent, but no direction. And hopefully, whoever's next uh, as the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, the first thing that they will do is to change that dynamic. Yeah, you know, that's uh, you, you took the words right out of my mouth. As you've done many times this year, Coach Ty, you took the words right out of my mouth. That's It, it can't be said any, any better. Guys, this was a team coming into the season with expectations galore. You know, NFC Championship aspirations, possible Super Bowl aspirations. Um, you know, going to be the first team likely, you know, early on in the year, you know, it almost seemed like it was a given. This is going to be the first team in the NFC East in, you know, so many years to repeat as NFC East champion since the Donovan McNabb, Andy Reid days. And it quickly became a team with no identity. It quickly became a team offensively. That just absolutely fluctuated from from Dak Prescott's 400-yard games to Zeke Elliott and Tony Pollard's, you know, running for 100 yards apiece in a couple of games to everything in between and yet nothing consistent. And defensively to a team that got pressure at times but not consistently, a team that could stop the run at times but never consistently – a team that could not get turnovers, a team that did not look like they were all on the same page, a team without an identity. That's what the Dallas Cowboys in the 2019 season were. 
And that is very disappointing considering the expectations we had. Um, it's disappointing considering the excitement surrounding the coaching staff going into this season. Not Jason Garrett necessarily, because I know Cowboys fans have been on that train for a while. I wasn't necessarily on it until, you know, a little past midway through this season. But, you know, Chris Richard, a bright young mind, possible future head coach, you know, that just goes out and he flops this year. Rob Marinelli, a, a, a veteran who, who's who's looking forward to to mixing mixing with Chris Richard and coming up with a defense that you know that is just the best of both worlds. Absolute disappointment this season. You know, Kellen Moore, bright young coordinator, and yes, some of these guys had good. I mean, I loved you know the way the offensive line played under Mark Colombo. Ever since we got you know we've put him in that role going into last year, I've loved it. I've loved what Coach Lyle has done with these receivers, focusing on being able to, to run routes. I've loved it. John Kitna, love what you did with Dak Prescott. This was his best passing effort of his career. But nothing was consistent. Nothing stuck throughout the season. And, and overall, you know, just disappointment, a lack of identity and disappointment. And guys, we are going to go ahead and close out the show on that note. Be sure and join us next time when we discuss the offseason coming up. We are bound to be hearing about Jason Garrett and this coaching staff's future uh, officially any minute now. We will discuss that. We'll discuss the free agents about like Dak Prescott, like Amari Cooper, like Byron Jones, the lesser free agents. Uh, you know, we will discuss uh, ex- possible extensions. We'll ex- discuss the draft. We'll discuss possibly who knows who knows how long it'll take this team to hire a new head coach. Heck, we're already hearing candidates already, uh, you know, being favorites for jobs are already being in place. We're already hearing that Ron Rivera is going to be the Washington Redskins head coach. We're already hearing that Matt Rule, you know, is the favorite to to be with the New York Giants and that he's already dressed the Baylor uh, football players about his uh, intentions to head to the NFL. You know, so many things we're already hearing. Who knows? We might be talking about the new Dallas Cowboys head coach next time you hear from us. But be sure and tune into us. And don't forget to visit us over at Pigskin Nut, the soon-to-be undisputed king of football news and podcasts, where you can find everything we do on the Dallas Cowboys. If you want quality football analysis with independent opinions from people who know and understand the X's and O's of the game, head over to Pigskin Nut, guys. Remember, Pigskin Nut for those crazy about football. Also, for all those out there that are just catching on to the Big D beatdown and like what you hear, hey, be sure and subscribe to our show. We're available on a variety of platforms. You can find us in the Apple and Google Podcast stores, as well as on Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, and Podbeam. Click that subscribe button, and they'll notify you every time we put out an episode. Guys, usually we're putting anywhere from two to three out a week. Be sure and check us out, and be sure and spread the word of the Big D Beatdown. We love getting new people, and we love hearing from you guys on social media. Be sure and search us out. Thanks for joining us today on the Big D Beatdown, guys. For Coach Ty Rogers, I'm Austin Smith. Have a good one, Cowboy fans.